Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. I- I'm doing very well. Thank you. Lovely to see your face. Lovely to have you back. What's up with you? Oh, thank you very much. I was kind of concerned after listening to last week's podcast that I might be replaced. That, uh, that uh, beautifully toned New Zealand voice that I heard on the uh, podcast sounded a little bit better than my Geordie drawl. So soothing, right? Worried. I found yeah, it soothing. A little, bit, a little bit too soothing. Didn't like it. Not a fan. <laughs> um, no, no, it was lovely. It was really, really interesting variation on the on the on the podcast. That was really cool. Uh, it's nice to know I can take a holiday and things still run while I'm away. <laughs> Fuck you, royally, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't break anything, Dilly. Everything looks like it's still working. Good, good, good. Um, I may have broken but, um, Simon, though. He, he spoke I mean, yeah. for one and a half hours straight, or two hours, I think. Hey, I think you both did really well. It was really, really good. I learned a lot about Simon. I feel, I feel like I sort of knew around, like having sort of met in person and stayed at his house, I knew most of most of the, there's lots of little bits of stuff about him working in it was at kiwi packing factory mm. that was news to me yeah. um i like that lots of just little little bits and uh, the little bits about oh yes um his eldest having an american accent that, yeah. was, that did make me chuckle but yeah. yeah it was lovely um i noticed simon giving me the side eye concerned that i'm going to make fun of him i'm not actually going to make fun of you producer simon because i thought it was a really good podcast so but we're here to do this podcast this week and uh, i noticed at the top of the agenda written in bold pink type which is the type that Dilly always uses. It says, ask me about pigeons. Go on, ask me about pigeons, Nick. So I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about pigeons, Dilly. How are your pigeons doing? My pigeons, Nick. It's been like three your weeks. Your balcony pigeons. My balcony <laughs> pigeons. It's been three weeks uh, since I saw the eggs. And they are now walking all over the balcony, over my oh. mint and basil and my ginger. Oh. And they're just learning to fly. So they go out for short flights with their parents and they come back. Mm -hmm. At least one. Do you narrate their their sort of journey over the last few weeks with like an Attenborough narration voiceover like Blue Planet? And here are the pigeons flying for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I see you have a backup plan. It's my dream to do the vo- the narration for BBC uh, nature documentary. I see. I see. <laughs> Nick, put, putting out the feelers. Hey, shy Ben's getting out, as they say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they're flying and they're just generally causing havoc. But it would, I suggest that they'll be leaving soon, right? I hope so, because I want to have my balcony back. As you know, I'm very scared of birds. So uh, I've been using one half of the balcony and now since they walk more than they fly, they started just using the whole balcony. And this means that other pigeons in the area come come over to my balcony and nobody needs that. And they're very fearless. I don't know whether I should be like honored or whether I should feel scared. It's um, Dilly, mother of pigeons. It's a, it's a great title. No, no, have. we're not going there. We're not mother of fucking pigeons. <laughs> I mean, it would be a it would be a pretty shitty episode of Game of Thrones, but it does make for an interesting podcast. I would I'd say. like to have dragons, yeah. you know. I wouldn't mind being the mother of dragons, mm. idiot pigeons. Hey, you don't get to choose who you're the mother of, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, as I know, but then I realised I am not a mother. I am a father, so yes, you don't. Yeah, same thing applies. I think. My boyfriend thinks that, uh, you know, they wouldn't do this on every person's balcony. Not everyone has the experience of seeing like mm-hmm. little baby pigeon hatchlings mm-hmm. grow up into lucky. like the silly little pigeons they are. And he, he says that I should see the bright side of it. I sent him home. <laughs> Get out of my goddamn house. <laughs> Off with you to Frankfurt. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> but by then the pigeons might have gone i don't know maybe you've got a you've got a fine line in kind of uh pigeon fancying is that right is that what it is when you have like homing pigeons but what i'm worried of is that they're just outside my uh loo my bathroom and so whenever i go in i just say a hi to them um i not that i wanted to but it seemed weird because that's who i see out of you know off of the loo and then it seemed impolite not to say hello you uh, know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can say that. 
and now I'm so I'm worried that when they start flying and I'm out on the street, like they might like come and like land on my head or something, because I don't want that. Did you see well, it? I, I don't want to worry you, Dilly, but as far as I'm aware, pigeons, I believe, have it's either excellent eyesight or excellent memory or both. And they do remember, like if you chase a pigeon down the street and oh. sh like kick it or something, it'll come back and shit on you because it can recognize you from a height. So I think it's eyesight and memory. And and so oh, you might man. well be wandering around uh, the fine streets of Weissenfeld and discover They're not you're fine being streets. trailed by, okay, the bumpy, <laughs> badly paved streets of Weissenfeld. <laughs> Jesus, so you're making this, this quite funny quib into a very elongated story. Uh, ultimately, you might be walking down the street and a pigeon might land on your head, which if it does, do take a photo because I think producer Simon and I would definitely enjoy the visual. I shall oblige. I hope so. Um, yeah, uh, listeners, you might notice I'm speaking a bit quickly today, and it's not because I'm overly excited for returning to the podcast. It's because we're, yeah, we're literally you. recording the podcast. Well, I am, of course, but it's also because we're recording the podcast like in a race against time because I'm on holiday, and I'm sure, I don't know what the acoustics are like. We'll, producer Simon will surely find out. I've tried to make it as nice as possible, but I'm sitting in a kitchen, on, literally on top of a mountain, in the middle of the Algoi, which is the, one of the southernmost parts of Bavaria. And uh, uh, the, I was informed when we arrived that the internet would be turned off at exactly 10 o'clock. It is currently 2024. We have an hour and a half to finish this podcast. Um, I'm not nervous yet, but uh, it's a weird, that's such a weird thing. They would say, oh yeah, we turn off the internet at 10 o'clock to help you sleep better. And the first thing I thought was anti-vaxxers. <laughs> Is it 5G? I was, like, I was like, I bet you're fucking anti-vaxxers. I bet none of you have vaccines. Dear me. Um, but yeah, it felt really 5G adjacent. Uh, it's not the first time though I've come across that kind of fear of the Wi-Fi. Is this something you've uh, encountered in your in your time in Germany, Dilly? No, in Sri Lanka at home, my mother switches off the Wi-Fi in the night. Right. Because okay, the, the router okay. is in my room when I'm there. Right. And and she thinks that I shouldn't have to sleep with the Wi-Fi. <laughs> now that I said sleep with the Wi-Fi, I see how that sounds. Okay. No, I, I mean I'd sleep with my Wi-Fi. If I could, I would <laughs> I'd hug it, but um I can't. No, I just thought it's just a weird, it's like a weird arbitrary thing. But at the same time, the same time, I kind of, I kind of get it. I, it's a, like, you, it's not, my, my wife constantly complains about me being glued to devices. Yeah. So I think for her, it's like, well, that'll, that'll learn you. Um, <laughs> but I, and I think I need it. I think like we've been here for two days and I've kind of been like, oh, like it's not very exciting. It's very slow paced. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. so it's very slow, mm -hmm. and and it's there's not there's not a lot of like electronic entertainment. I purposely didn't bring the only equipment I brought uh, was the podcast equipment, mm -hmm. which my wife has been shaking her head about all day. When I was like, "Oh, well, I'm going to record the podcast at eight o'clock," mm -hmm. she's like, "Um, it, it transpires also that I didn't bring any socks at all, like any socks." And my wife was like, "You brought your bloody podcast equipment." How did you not manage to bring any socks? How did you and not manage like, to bring any socks? I have no idea. I just I have no idea at all. So have you but, been wearing um, like your shoes without socks? We've bought socks. We're not so far in the middle of nowhere. We're near a place called, um, I think it's Oberstaufen, I think it's called. Did you find a Chibo? Honestly, right. Well, we'll talk about it in a second. But the point I was making about the, the electronic stuff is that I think actually what I need is I need that. I'm thinking about a lot more about like my use on social media and how like I am kind of addicted and I'm constantly posting and writing and podcasting and doing like all this stuff. And I say, oh, maybe I just need to, maybe I just need to cut myself off a little bit. So it is, it is good in one way, but also just gives me anxiety when I can't stare at my phone, which I try and avoid to do. But It's pretty know, controlling behavior, I think, to like force people off their phones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's my, I've read I've read more, and I've, I'm trying to do less with my phone. I tried not to look at my phone at all today. Um, I'm just trying. I think that's something that's 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 something I want to work on since. Uh, uh, I guess just I think going away gives you some perspective on what your bad habits and stuff like that. Ooh. Um, 
But yeah, I would say so. Also, now that I'm a mature older man, having turned 40 uh-huh. last Wednesday, I'm flush with the uh, Methuselah-like wisdom that is bestowed upon you when you cross the border between 39 and 40. I'm just a wiser, more mature man, you know? <laughs> That's fucking not true. Uh, I didn't bring any socks. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the place that I'm in is, it's hilarious. I think you'd love it. It's almost like stereotypically Bavarian. There's, I counted them in the, in the small town of Oberstaufen that I think, I, I think it's called Oberstaufen, that I was in. Uh, there were five shops that sold various types of Trachten, so dindles and lederhosen, and traditional Bavarian dress. And it's a town that's not very big, but five shops dedicated to sort of this stuff. And I think we've brought the average age of the town down by about 15% just by our mere presence, because everyone just is in their 60s. Oh, good. <laughs> Everyone's in their 60s. Everyone is in their 60s. I know it's off, pensioners. it's off season, so it makes sense. But yeah, a lot of pensioners driving giant cars through tiny streets. Slowly. It's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, quite, <laughs> quite hilarious. Awful drivers everywhere. But um, it's just it, mountain Germany is a different kind of Germany. Yeah. Bavaria is a different kind of Germany from the rest of Germany, supposedly. Mountain Bavaria is a very different part of, like, it's just they've got different ways of thinking, different ways of operating, and it's a lot more traditional than 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 anywhere else. Nick, Nick what's the food like? Or has it... Have amazing. You... Oh, what's... Amazing. What has been amazing? Tell me. Like everything, just like, just name it, like name any Bavarian food. Uh, what's it? K- we say we say oh. right? Uh, but they say it differently here, so it's like or something. Kays. They've got this weird like sort of ah sound that Kays. they produce. Uh, but it's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, just it's 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 all all the Bavarian traditional food, but just cooked better for some. Maybe it's the the altitude <laughs> that makes it taste better. Or the five G. So yeah, maybe it's the lack of five G that's doing us all a favor. Um, <laughs> had some nice ice cream. The bread's amazing. One of the good things they do is a bread delivery. So that you sort of order bread with the people here, and they just bring it to you in the morning. Nice. Which is, that's great. And honestly, the I mean, as much as the internet thing might be a bit of a bummer, it's it's so beautiful. Like you step outside the house, and you're like, oh, mountains. Nice. Like we saw a valley, and there was a a lake at the end, massive lake. Like must have been about fifteen kilometers away. It was so clear you could see right at the end of the valley, and it just looks like a painting. And you're looking at it going like, that's not real. I guess not real. I can't be real. But yeah, I know the feeling. Is. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, yeah, so it is, there's a lot of benefits to being here, even if I can't stare at my phone. I might, I might, I might quote you or something at 10 o'clock tonight and, and start a fight with you on Twitter that you can't see until the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've still got, I've still got my, my, my um, 5G on my phone, so... Don't don't you worry. I can I can turn it on if I wanted to. But actually, what I've been doing what I've been doing is like because I don't spend a lot of time read. Well, I do read a lot on the on the tram, but I don't read a lot at home. And I haven't watched like a lot of films over the last few months. Mm. So I was just like, right, I download a load of films. I watched uh, the Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Oh. I don't know why I've not watched it before. And I was just like, it's so good. I honestly, I don't care what anyone says. Quentin Tarantino makes amazing films. Like, yeah. not, there's not one film I haven't ever watched that I haven't been like, that was that was great. Okay, you're gonna <laughs> really totally good. judge me for saying this, but I've been waiting for Equalizer yeah. Three. <laughs> Denzel Washington. Oh right, I, I I listened to my is it what's my radio station Ego FM? Mm-hmm. That's my local radio station, and they had a horrendous review of that film. No. They were like, why yeah. was this film made? Yeah. It was awful. Oh, but really? It's, but at the same time, it's like, it's diminishing returns, isn't it? Equalizer 1 yeah. was really good. Equalizer 2 was, yeah. I like had, 2 better. Um, I like 2 better. It had a better bad guy, didn't it? It had, yeah. Um, yeah. It had like nice little plots. Pedro Pascal. It had Pedro Pascal in there. So, yeah, yeah, um, he's yeah. great. He's good. Um, but, <laughs> It's Denzel Washington. It's like there's certain films that if it's got an actor in, I'll just watch. Yeah, anyway, that's him. Yeah. So he doesn't bring. He's the same in all the roles that he's cast in. I think, mm, and he he has a very a homebody kind of feel to it. Like like he's understating himself somehow in the role. 
Yeah, it's, it's not like, like there's actors who can change and embody a character. He's like, it's like Denzel Washington is a is, is hundred different people. Yeah. And this yeah. is one of the hundred different versions of Denzel Washington. Yeah. Because like, it's amazing. He's an amazing actor, yeah. fantastic actor. Yeah. But he's just, he's just, he's he's got a very particular cadence and a particular mm. sort of mannerisms yeah. and pronunciation. It's got a different style. rhythm to him. But he's good in the equalizer. I watched, I watched a fucking awful film. The first film I watched because I just wanted to be entertained was, was it The Angel Has Fallen or something like that? And it's the oh, third film oh, in the franchise, uh, Gerard Butler's oh, franchise. Yeah, I've watched about, all of it because the Gerard first Butler. one was Olympus. Was it Olympus? Olympus has fallen. Uh, has fallen. Angels have London fallen. Something else. London. London, oh, London, Jesus London has fallen. That, um, I mean, none of them have been good, but this is no, possibly the worst. None of them were good. Definitely not London has fallen with with no. that American overstatement on the yeah. understated British, like the imposition yeah. that was yeah. so dot cool. But this, I was watching it going like, why? Like, okay, money, fair enough. But like, it's got Morgan Freeman in it. And Gerard Butler. I mean, he he's, I, I like, he's fucking I like not a good him. actor. <laughs> he's not a good actor? No, I think he's terrible. I think he's awful. He's done very well from having been an interesting character in the spot in Three Hundred. He has a face like a map, I would say. He ha- it's very oh. etched. Well, he's meant to be playing like a a grizzled version of the character he was, sort of an older, grizzled, like like achy, pained kind of yeah, yeah. version yeah. of himself. But he just looks like a fucking sack of spam. He looks he looks about. 10 kilos overweight and he looks like he looks like he's been molded out of yesterday's leftovers he's not a pretty you know? boy like but i like that i mean it's not about pretty it's not the prettiness it's just like i don't believe i have you a could crush on him you stuff. idiot just 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 fine i mean have a crush i mean if you if you have attracted to men who look like um sort of processed meat then that's fine he looks you like know, processed meat to you I, he has a nice raw quality about him. He is very yes, this this, this, this that, that's true. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure how we got onto this. Anyway, the, yeah. So if, that's I mean, how sort did of we get from your socks to Gerard Butler? And you did not solve my uh, sock mystery. You know, it's the power of the decades from home podcast. You know, well, you don't. <laughs> who knows what magic we can perform with a with what looks like a very mundane conversation? And my secret power of uh, being able to jump from topic to topic. Like it's really like blooming on the podcast, I must say. Well, as long as the listeners are entertained, that's the main <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> Simon has his head in his hands. That's only it's only been like twenty minutes. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, let's see if we can perk him up a little bit uh, and see if we can cheer up Simon. Do you want to? Do you want a, a recap of my exciting adventures G- in? Give, the, give me it all. I want to hear about the Wales. Wales. I want to hear about your adventures and your weaponry. Oh yeah. Uh, where should we start? My aim was to record a like battlefield diary, mm-hmm. but that quickly went down the pan on day two because I was so horrifically hungover. Basically, the entire holiday was orientated towards me going to fight this battle in Wales, mm-hmm. and so the two days before involved me like basically having to fix all my armor and fix all my kit and rejig everything. Mm-hmm. And then we left on the Friday around about ten. It took us about Who's eight we? hours. Oh, so it was me and two other members of the regiment who live in Durham. Okay. Uh, two people I've known for a very long time, lovely people. And so it was meant, it was just three, they're Geordies as well. And it's just the three of us just laughing and joking. The, the actual journey was long, but we all kept each other in good spirits and, and also helped by the fact that there was a lot of um, Greggs at every service station. So we just filled our boots with Greggs and then got back in the car and off we went. So yeah, we got there, had to put up the tent. We got to South Wales, we're in Port Talbot. It was hilarious because we were in a big country park, but over the sort of tree line, you could see this orange glow and it just, it was sort of irradiated this orange glow and then it would disappear. And then like an hour later, there'd be an orange glow and you're like, and it's the steelworks, uh, the Port Talbot steelworks. It was just over the hill Uh, and it's a massive steelworks, really old steelworks as well. And it's weirdly beautiful, but you sort of it was as we arrived, it basically looked like we'd entered the kind of inferno as the sky was bright orange. Mm-hmm. And we um put the tents in the dark. Look, it'd been pissing down all the way there. And we no. managed to get to Port Talbot and it was dry. And I didn't know how. But basically that was the theme of the weekend was intermittent showers. Yeah. 
um saturday was kind of avoiding said showers it was weird we, we went to we took this massive journey to a pub because we weren't fighting on the saturday so we had nothing to do so we just went on this walk to a pub mm-hmm. uh, that we'd looked up um took ages but it was br- i went out went outside for a vape and it was bright bright beautiful sunshine and full like torrential rain at the same time and i've never seen that in my entire life i don't know whether wales has some kind of like mad weather system but it's the weirdest thing i'd ever seen like properly torrential rain and bright sunshine i was like oh, that's a new one for me uh for sure the problem with not having a battle on the saturday is you end up having very few options for things to do there's an, a general meeting for all full members and that only takes an hour and it's a bit boring and then you're kind of like at a loose end and the aim is not to get really pissed that's the danger is you're sitting in a field i had two crates of german beer i had uh fru augustina and uh tegensee Tegen, yeah and um i was like i can't just hammer those because i could and i could have been obliterated by six o'clock and just gone to sleep but you kind of want to stay like there was going to be a band on in the beer tent it's going to be like lively it's going to be fun so you want to sort of stay stay awake so you're just trying to find things to do until you can start drinking proper and then uh, when, when we started drinking proper it, it sort of occurred and um it was meant the, the band's like really bog standard like they played tenacious d and all that shit and people get really excited i'm not really there for the band it's the sort of crack that you're there for but um people seem to have a good time and uh i met some germans we did guard duty on the saturday making sure that the wasn't any uh, people who shouldn't be on the site getting into the site and then we met some of the germans who turned up from memmingen mm-hmm. and they were basically i was walking down i was walking past them and i said something in german and like five like people just came bursting out at me to, to talk to us and they were all just talking to me in german and i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> young's made us better Sprechen Sie langsam, <laughs> but, or Sprechen Sie langsam, whatever. Like I couldn't remember what I said to them, um, and uh, and it was just too much. It was just so full, full, intense. And they were very nice and we sort of had a chat. And uh, but they were on literally the other side of the campsite from us, so there wasn't a lot. Of, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with them, sadly. But more on the Germans later. Got really drunk. We do this thing. There are a lot of people do it at the sealed knot called a port circle. Mm. I don't know why port port is a thing, but but that's always been like that since I've since i was a little kid people just drink port and port's like a i don't know it's like hardcore wine it's like a di- it's like a dinner it's like a dessert it's wine a dessert or something wine like is also very sweet right yeah i like and it basically though. i like port everyone's sitting in a circle and someone will just introduce a bottle of port and everyone drinks from the bottle like it's pass it to the left and there was like three or four bottles going round and um i felt okay and then I went to sleep and I woke up at must have been up five in the morning and like m- all my system alarms were going off. Like everything was going off, going like, there's something wrong. You you need to go to the toilet. You're sick. You're going to die. Get out of this tent. It, and like oh, burst out this. In, in, and you had like portaloos, right? Or public toilet. Yeah, yeah. Burst, well, I mean, more of that later. But um, I burst out this tent. My, everything like literally my entire br- brain on fire couldn't like headaches like the worst headache i've ever had totally dehydrated feeling really sick i was like i need to get to a portaloo and i sort of started moving towards the portaloo and as like, every step i took i was like oh this is getting worse and worse oh, no. and worse and as i opened the door of the portaloo a projectile vomited into the portaloo Ew. Oh, um no, no perfect hey no no perfect aim like perfect, perfect aim. aim okay okay got like, you right. like no no splashback uh-huh. no one got affected okay. no more importantly no one saw me yeah. um so and and it was perfect but i was just like oh that is really bad um i feel really sick and we're gonna have to fight this battle and it's like seven o'clock it was five o'clock in the morning i'll get a couple of hours sleep it's very hard to sleep once everyone wakes up around about eight mm. so i kind of woke up one of the members of the pike block like came on my tent and gave me a hug because you just could see that I was totally fucked. Aww. I was like, he's like, are you all right, Nick? And I was like, no. And um, what are the things that do have, because we've got a lot of people who do scouts and some of them who, when they were kids and some of them when they did scouts would went to Japan for the scouting jamboree mm. and they came back with this stuff called Bakari Sweat. Mm. And Bakari Sweat is like a Japanese soft drink, right? But it's more than that, it's a rehydrate. Mm. And they buy it in powdered form 
for the battlefield, right? Because it's great for the battlefield when you're fighting and sweating and you can rehydrate real quickly. Mm. But I tell you what, it's the finest fucking hangover cure known to man. <laughs> and someone just gave me a two-liter bottle. Someone else handed me a packet of Bacari sweat, poured it in, and I drank a two-liter bottle in about 45 minutes. And I swear I was in armor for drill at 10 o'clock like laughing and joking like I'd never had a hangover and I was just like this is this is it and I put the armor on as soon as I put the armor on everything just sturdied up like it was everything was I felt like protected I felt like I wasn't just like vulnerable anymore and then I was like right and we'd went off and did drill and that was fine the feeling isn't it I don't know what it is about putting on 17th century kit but it's like it's the rugby sporty kind of team sport feel Mm. like everyone's in the same boat everyone's there to do a job we want to spend time with each other. We've driven all this way. Let's not fuck around. Let's not make it like a shitty day. And it was it was good. And then we had the battle. The battle sort of kicks off. And uh, we we have to march a little bit. And the way the set of the battle was beautiful, you had the uh, Margan Park Country House, which is a beautiful Gothic sort of building, beautiful kind of palatial kind of building. And um, just in front of it, they have this big lawn, big green, and that's where the battle was. And so the parliamentarians came out from behind the house, this big Gothic house, and we were hidden behind the crest of this hill. So they came out and we we went, we didn't play any music, we didn't bang any drums, make any noise, and no one knew we were, there was like something like a thousand soldiers hiding behind this hill. Mm. And then the, the, there was a cannon volley. There was about 20 cannons, mm. cannon volley. And then we just full blast flags up everything like drums banging and we just came over the brow of this hill and you could see the faces of the of the people in the crowd were like fucking hell like so i i don't know what we look like because you're in it you can't see it but you could see from everybody else they were like this looks fucking amazing and the horse came charging past us Mm. and it was just full full gas got on the field starts raining and it just sucks the energy out of it and the other problem was we were too good on the first day far too good Mm. um i think i've talked about pike pushing Pike pushes are usually 20 to 25, maybe 30 blokes and, and all women, um, mostly blokes though, 16 foot sticks. You've got the sticks upright. Mm. You've you got ranks and files, three wide and about sort of five or six deep. And uh, you're packing as tightly as possible. It sticks across your body and then you just, basically like a fist, mm. you're trying to get as tight as possible. And then you just smash into another block of an equal size like two, just two fists punching each other and seeing which which side moves backwards first. And usually it kind of spins and turns and you're kind of in a crush of bodies. Then one side will just give and you'll start moving forward or your side will give and you start moving mm. backward or it collapses on you. It's all of that stuff happening. And it, there wasn't enough parliamentarians. So we were doing what someone referred to as double tapping, which was one block would form up and attack and hit them and then we'd be ready, and they'd, this parliamentarian block would reform, looking totally fucked. And then we'd hit them, mm-hmm. and then the, the other uh, the other block next to us would hit them, and then we'd hit them. And by the end, this block was just oh, like just smashed to pieces. They couldn't. They were tired. There was people being sick. Mm. They just looked like they were having a really bad time, and it was really boring. And I was actually really disappointed. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't fun. It's actually a bit shit. And I was kind of like, I kind of felt as I was leaving the field, I was like, like maybe I've lost my love for this. Maybe I don't enjoy it as much anymore. Maybe this isn't something I'm going to continue doing. I was really having like second thoughts about it. And I was quite surprised. It was so, I I was so disheartened by it. And we had the night. I didn't drink any port. Woke up in the morning, felt fucking great. Mm -hmm. Had some Bakari sweat, did some drill, second day battle. And it was, it fucking was amazing. Nice. And it was exactly what I'd hoped it would be. And it was like, just reaffirmed how much I love doing this. Like you had one bad day, the next day is going to be good. And the reason it was good, first and foremost, we fought the Germans and it was fucking hilarious. So the Germans rock up and I'm doing my usual shtick of standing at the back and just shouting random German phrases at them and watching them just look really confused as I'm shouting like, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof or ich habe ein großer Schlange or uh, um, my mutter, um, can I toller's cooking and or something like that? Like ridiculous shit that I'm shouting at them. And you could see them going, what the fuck? Like, what? And then they started <laughs> laughing and they're laughing. And as they're laughing, we hit them, right? And we just kept doing that. I kept like, shouting at them, making them laugh and then hitting them. 
and uh, one of our officers went over to speak to them after we were sort of moving up, we were moving away from them and going to fight somebody else. The report back was that the, the German officer had said, uh, you guys are fantastic. Every time you hit us, you break us. And I was like, that's the oh, you want to hear, right? right? You want to hear yeah. that from the German officers? They're lovely sort of, but they were lovely and really nice to, to have a, a Barney with. And then we lined up against an entire battalion and uh, there was about 40 blokes mm -hmm. in their pike block. And there was about 30 in ours. And there's another pike block next to us, similar as the day before. Both of us are wearing white coats. There's two regiments mm -hmm. that wear white coats. There's my regiment, the Newcastles, and Hawkins are the other regiment. And the only difference is they have little epaulette bits on their mm. shoulders. Mm. And so they were fighting them and then we were fighting them. And I was like, I turned to one of, I know, I think it was one of my officers as we were reforming after hitting this massive pipe block and we were getting smashed because there was too many of them and we were getting real beaten up, but it was fun. Um, as I was coming back to reform on what we call reform on the color, you see the color and you reform and build your ranks and then build your block again and then go back in. And um, my, um, the, the guy, the enzyme carrying the color just grabbed me and went, go in their block because we've got white coats on so they wouldn't tell. Like, go in their block. And I was like, fucking right, great. And so what I was basically doing was pushing with the Hawkins block, pushing with the Newcastle's block, pushing with the Hawkins, and just getting like double double pushes mm -hmm. all the way through. And, like, and then eventually we just combined into one giant block and it was about 80, 80 blokes all together fighting. And it's the first time we'd, I'd fought four abreast basically. Mm a rank of four and probably about 10 deep and it's the first time i've done that since the mid 2000s and it was like it was amazing it was so much fun <laughs> and like you, you just felt, like, I felt yeah. like i love it man it's like it's there's no better feeling like even when you're losing it's still amazing so yeah and then we came off the field and that was sort of the end of it really and it sort of slowly winds down and we, we went back on the tuesday and then had my birthday and then got on a plane and came back and it felt rather bizarre waking up on sort of Thursday morning going, what the fuck, the fuck happened? You, you've also said, I think on the script that Wales is, uh, that you just love being back there and that it's gorgeous. Do you want to tell us something a bit more? Oh, Wales is stunning. Wales is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's only a few times I've been, but it's like, it doesn't make a lot of effort, but to m look mystical, it just is mystical. It feels like something out of King Arthur. I feel like there's a lot of places that just, mm. it's so beautiful. And and the people in Wales are terrifying, but also lovely. It's just a great, it's a really nice place. And it's a place I don't think a lot of Germans have really been to. Mm. And it surprises me actually, because yeah. if you like Scotland and you like Ireland, yeah. like Wales is probably a combination of the two. Ah. And I think the thing that I liked about, like, I like you like about it is, it's just a different version of Britain. And that's kind of what I like about Germany when you go to different states. Yeah. It's just it's Britain, but it's got different things. It's got different attitudes to stuff yeah. or a different approach to things, which makes it really nice. And it helps that like people are really enthusiastically Welsh, uh, which is always nice to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mother has been to Wales and she I think she was there for like six months, sometime before I was born. And she's always mm. like said some really cool things about it. And I, I want to go to where she's been. I mean I, I doubt she like hiked us and stuff, but um, I, I want to like see the places that she's seen mm. and mm. it's it's on my to-do list. Well, I guess the summer pause for politics is well and truly ended. I may have been in a field in Wales, but even I heard the news that was coming out of the Bavarian government last weekend. For those who may be unaware of what's been going on, here's the skinny. Hubert Aiwanger is the Deputy Minister President in Bavaria, as well as being the de facto leader of a loose grouping of centre-right politicians called the Freie Wähler. Uh, he's been in government for five years, along with the uh, CSU leader and the CSU party, uh, led by Markus Söder. Now, Aiwanger is sort of well-known in Bavaria, but rarely sort of spoken about outside of uh, the southern state of Germany. He made uh, a name for himself during the pandemic uh, among Bavarians, mostly because of his vaccine skepticism, but he never really went fully anti-vax, but he was definitely in or around that area. He's been generally tolerated by Soda as it meant he didn't have to govern in a coalition with the Green Party, which seems to be anathema to Marcus Soda. He doesn't want to govern with the Greens. I don't think he wants to legitimize the Greens more than anything. However, 
Ivanga has been growing in popularity because there's been this sort of wave of of right wing support in Germany over the last few months, certainly culminating in an event in Erding that we we talked about a few months ago. There, Ivanga sort of went full right wing, and he gave this speech to a large crowd of mostly Alternative for Deutschland supporters and uh, general covered cranks and uh, he declared during this speech that they needed to take democracy mm -hmm. back which sounds disturbingly familiar recently though Ivan has been in the center of this massive scandal that's kind of rocked germany for the last two weeks and this is due to a report that was in Süddeutsche zeitung two weekends ago the the, the, the last weekend in august and it described how Ivanger had been disciplined in school about 35 years ago for possessing an anti-Semitic pamphlet that he was accused also of authoring. The pamphlet itself was essentially written as a, a mock prize draw. And uh, the prizes that were being offered were things like being sent to Auschwitz, being shot in the back of the head, like really vile, horrible stuff. And everyone who's read it, and even politician Söder himself, said it was disgusting and it's it's bizarre and 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 so Ivan has been facing this criticism because of this yeah. this story that's come out uh, through Süddeutsche Zeitung and it's kind of been part of the problem uh, about the story was that Ivan refused to answer any questions about it from a uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung journalist there's been an accusation that this is kind of a political attack. It's journalists and media attack on this politician. Good old Hubi Ivanger. He's not a bad guy, really. He's just a little bit right wing. For months, they asked him to comment. Months asked him to answer some questions. He just point blank refused. And then they released the story. On top of the story being released, it wasn't that they just released this, oh, Hubert Ivanger might have written this thing that's anti-Semitic when he was at school. There was actually classmates and teachers from his home village and um, I think it's Oberbayern mm -hmm. is where he's from, who were willing to go on record and say that Ivanger had sung Nazi songs, performed the Hitlergruß, the Sieg Heil salute, and loads of other disturbing events. There's even a picture of Hubert Ivanger from his days at school where, um, I mean, you can go and find it, go Google Hubert Ivanger. I think it's Klassen Photo, I think was it was the search I did. And if you don't think he is cosplaying as Adolf Hitler, well, maybe we've got sort of a different perspective on what what that is but he certainly has a very distinct parting in his hair like really distinctive hitler hairstyle and a, a very distinctive mustache mm. and you're just like well that kind of says a lot mix this accusation of, of um, authoring an anti-semitic document with this image and with what he has been saying over the last few months which is extremely right-wing you can understand why this has become quite an issue in germany and this has created an obvious problem for the governing coalition in Bavaria. Mm -hmm. Marcus Söder demanded a meeting straight away with him and then uh, demanded he answer 25 very specific questions uh, that came out of this story. I don't know about you, Dilly, there's a lot to talk about here. But the first thing I wanted to ask you is, why do German politicians always present lists of questions? Like Mertz had 75 questions for Robert okay. Harbeck a few months ago. Now we've got 25 do you think it has a function? Is it just like a political theater? Or do you think it's actually a useful way of getting to the bottom of a political scandal? I, I mean, I know lists of questions from online dating. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only place. Slightly, slightly different questions, I think. <laughs> slightly different questions. But you know, the concept, I mean, that's the only place where I'd, and I would entertain the like lists of questions. I mean, who sets these questions? I mean, don't they don't they text it to each other before? Like, ah, here are the twenty five questions I'm going to ask you on live TV, or not live TV. I, it's I mean, come on, who do they think they're like uh, hoodwinking? So you think it's just all for show then? This twenty five questions, Malaki. I mean, Marcus Söder asked him, right? Who asked him the twenty five questions? No, I assumed it was Söder and his. Is minions, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, are they I'm going? Not, I'm assuming they're not leaving it to the work, the work student, you know. I mean, Söder's <laughs> role has been to protect him and like take him under the wing. I mean, imagine like being one of Söder's minions, and then you add like a very like hard hitting, thought provoking question, and he's like, I mean, are they going to like it? Their party is going to be painted in a bad light, and they wouldn't ask questions to which they would get bad answers. 
it's, it's, it's a way of controlling the narrative, right? Because in the reporters, then the journalists would talk about the questions and the answers that were given to the questions instead of being able to confront the situation themselves. It's really controlling the narrative, I would think. Would What would you say? I always wonder with with certainly with the questions. I'm like, do you think fucking voters are that fucking stupid? I know, but maybe, but maybe they are. I don't know. I mean, I'm beginning to lose a lot of confidence in the general kind of intelligence of of the average voter around the world, let alone in Germany, right? And I'm talking about Britain, America, fucking wherever. Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot of people are. And we vote with our emotions, but a lot of people just seem to be willing to ignore all reality in order just to tick a box that makes them feel a little bit better about their shitty lives. But um, I just think, I just do you think we're fucking stupid? Is this is this competence? Oh, here's an exam. You like, and maybe maybe I, I don't understand that about German culture. Maybe it, it, it attunes to something that Germans like. What I think it attunes to is older Germans, like everything. It appeals to older Germans. I think younger Germans are like, you are full of shit. Yeah. But I think a lot of older Germans think that's what competency looks like. Ah. Oh, you've answered the questions. Or it's, you've answered these questions. Well, he's answered the questions, you know. I mean, what can we do? Ah. And more to that point, Ivanga did duly answer these questions. And I say answered because it's probably too strong Mm. a word. Essentially, every answer, and you can go through it yourself, was don't know, don't remember. Why did you have this in your bag? Why did the school find an anti-Semitic document in Mm -hmm. your bag? Don't know, don't remember. Who wrote it? Don't know, don't remember. And that was every answer was don't know, don't remember. Mm. It's too long ago, couldn't remember, right? Mm. The thing that came out was his brother came out and said, oh, I wrote it. Mm. And it was like, oh, that's convenient. It's convenient that your brother wrote Mm -hmm. it. Um, That seems very useful. What was interesting though was number 23. The 23rd question was something like, what have you learned or what impact did this incident Mm. have on your life? And Ivanger said, Oh, it totally changed my life. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. And no, this is the thing that infuriates me. And it makes me feel like I miss something in German language yeah. or German culture. Sometimes is no one just going to go, how can you have a life changing event that you have no memory of any of the details? But no one answers that question. Everyone's just like, mm, okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, there, there are no follow up questions, right? It's a list of questions. And and they don't lead off from each other either, do they? No. And I think also that the fact of the matter is, Ivanger knows, certainly knows it's not going to dent. In fact, it's probably going to improve his chances with, with the way the Bavarian election's going. Mm-hmm. And I think Serda is also like, meh, I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. I certainly don't want to turn the Freie Wähler into another alternative for Deutschland who might take votes off yeah. of me. And I think ultimately the... Re- the I've got too much optimism in Bavaria. Bavaria is a very right-wing state at the moment. That's just clearly, it's just, this is what I think yeah. now. I, I'm fully, you look at the polls, yeah. you look at the people like, unless there's there's only something like 8%, maybe 5% of people are undecided. Yeah. It's very clear. Bavarians, and I'm saying this, I love Bavaria. It's my, it's my home. I've made my home here. I think it's a fantastic place. Bavarians have no idea what the fuck the government does, clearly. If you're voting for the CSU, like the question that you should ask yourself when you're voting is, why am I voting for this party? And especially for a party that's been in power since the 1950s, what have they done? What have they improved? I've looked at their manifesto, 93 pages of absolute dreck. And it's basically like, we are for the family. There's no things, this is what we did. This is what we improved. This is what we made better. Every speech that Soda gives is about veganism. Oh, Jesus. Not not, not, not Soda's little meat stall again. Yeah, and 39% of voters in, uh, who are going to vote in this election will vote for him. Oh. For no other reason than I, I can only assume that they think he's good at his job or they're fucking idiots. Yeah. I can only, that's my assumption. It's like, because yeah. if I'm voting for someone, I want to know what they've done. Mm. Like, or what do they stand for? What are their values? Yeah. The, the current CSU slogan is something like, like, and better is land in Unser Hand mm. or something like that. It's a better country in our hands, you know? And it's like, how can you say that? We're for the family. There's 900 families in Augsburg alone that don't have any support for kindergarten mm. or kindergripper. How can you say that with a straight face and, and say that? Oh, we're for integration. No, you're fucking no. not. <laughs> like, no, you're not. Ugh. No, you're fucking no. not. Like, it's just, it it's actually makes us really, really yeah. upset, really angry. Yeah. There's a lot of very well-heeled middle-class Germans driving big cars. And the reason they vote for the CSU 
is I think because they're just really naive about what's going to happen in the future. There's clearly a lot of people who don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. We've experienced extreme climate change this summer alone, and we're going to vote for a party that doesn't want to build any, wants to build nuclear reactors, not in Bavaria, in other states, mm. wants to frack, not in Bavaria, mm. but in other states. No policy for what we're going to do yeah. here. None at all. It's fucking mental yep. as, as far as I'm yep. concerned. And they're just really, there's people are just far too comfortable. I wonder how many CSU voters are just going to get wholesale replaced by AI come 2030. Yeah. And it'll be like, why, why did no one tell us about this? Oh, it's because you've got a party in power that doesn't have any idea what the future is about or any vision. So, yeah. Um, sorry about that rant. Um, yeah, with those answers and responses, Marcus sort of decided not to sack Ivanger, which is, uh, yeah, unsurprising, as you said, Dilly. And it's useful for him going yeah. into an election. Um, let's tackle the tough bit. Do you think it's the right decision? Like, do you think Ivanger should have been sacked, given that this was an incident that happened 35 years ago? Um, Marcus is really tying himself to like a big stone and he's jumping in the sea with Ivanger, I would say. And it's not a good look on him when he gets Ivanger to get the coals out of the hot fire for him. I, I, because I assume that that is what he's doing. He being Ivanger, and that's his role here. Surda will come under a lot more heat if he were to do the same thing. He still needs the far-right votes. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have got on a platform at a IFD meeting, right? And that's what he did. Well, it was, it was, Erding was like RFD supporters and anti-vaxxers. Yeah. But Ivanger was celebrated at that, whereas Surda was booed. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he did go there. And um, mm. so I, I prefer to think that that was his choice. And uh, mm. he's just getting someone else to do the hard work in appealing to the right-wingers. And in that sense, I would say Soda is extremely responsible for taking this luke, like seemingly lukewarm stance when it comes to Aivanga. Mm -hmm. It's not just Aivanga, but he, he's also profiting off of Aivanga's scandal. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he should be completely put on the stand for this. That's my opinion. I think... Uh the bit that sort of there's a lot of people and it says it says a lot about how few people in north germany pay attention to what happens in bavaria until there's an election and they're like oh well this is this is ridiculous i can't believe that, that he's going to support ivanger and it's like we knew what ivanger we didn't know that like it was this extreme but we knew he was far right mm. when they they came into coalition in what 2017 yeah. this isn't a surprise yeah. But it's all oh, suddenly northern German journalists are going, oh, I didn't realize it was like, no, that's how bad yeah. it is. And it has been yeah. like that. And you've just not really paid attention because Bavaria is not really Germany, you know. The other thing I was going to ask you, though, is do you think it's fair to punish someone? Like, I find it seems like a quite despicable yeah. character just going on what he says, yeah. essentially, judging a horse by the races that's yeah. run. But regardless of him being who he is, do you think it's fair to punish someone? 35 years after the fact you know nick i saw this question and i thought about it i mean do i want to be punished for things i did in school i mean that would be terrible i hope i'm also in ways like grown and different but at the same time with Ivanger, we are not just punishing him for things he did 35 years ago it's also about his response now currently to things he did 35 years ago shouldn't that mean something I mean, he's not mm -hmm, taken responsibility. Mm -hmm. He's just like being no. wishy-washy about it. I think that speaks for itself. So actually, you think it should be punishment for the response rather than for the the thing he well, did? Well, both. I mean, he's standing by his younger self or that did, did that. And, the, and other people like Marcus Söder are standing by Ayumanga who did that 35 years ago and he's mm -hmm. defending himself now in a wishy-washy way. When I say wishy-washy, what I mean is He's not addressing it. I can't remember. I don't remember this. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it got into my bag. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, you're really insulting the intelligence of of some of the people who are voters. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because I was kind of like, well, you don't want to set that precedent of punishing people for the things they did 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, 35 years ago, because it people should be given the opportunity to change their ways. Sure. Mm -hmm and shouldn't be punished for having changed. But uh, like you've put an interesting slant on it because I hadn't really thought about maybe you shouldn't, it's not the, 
that it is the response, the lack of response, the the willingness to kind of almost just sort of take the piss. It, yeah, the worst yeah. part, I think, for me is there's been this this political meeting or every time around the, every se- sort of September and I, I forget how to pronounce the word. My wife had struggled with it. Gilamos, I think it was Gilamos. Mm-hmm. There's this big political event where you have the beer tents and different politicians give speeches and he was welcomed like a fucking hero in this this bavarian beer tent setting and it says again a lot about this event the green parties there given speeches and the sound system of the friar vela drowned out what the greens were saying mm. and it's the event organizers that have done that have mm. turned the sound system up and they've got packed out tents and i'm just like I'm sorry to say this, if you were one of the individual 800 people who packed out a tent to watch fucking Hubert Eifanger verbally masturbate in front mm. of you, then you were fucking cretin as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. If you weren't there to throw tomatoes and call him yeah. a prick, then you, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, everyone standing by him, everyone voting for him, everyone who thinks, oh yeah, he says the things as they should be yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're all yeah. responsible. I just think it's cowardly. Yeah. I just and and someone I think someone has said it's a real challenge to Germany's memory culture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the challenge the challenge was in 2017, and no one fucking said anything. That is bloody responsible, is what it is. No, I mean, you know, no, the I'm moment honest. you say yeah. it and the moment you endorse this, uh, you, uh, I, I mean, I mean, think of the repercussions it's going to have on something. Mm. I mean, we are living in very fragile times, and to take advantage of it to make it even worse. I mean, knowing that people are going to practice mm. violence, people are going to die, people are going to have very hard times. I mean, you're making people's lives harder than they need to be. Uh, and people have things hard enough right now, and there is no remorse, uh, no retrospection, uh, no no sensibility, mm. uh, no self awareness no or anything like no no regret, yeah. no apology. Yeah. And my tax money is going to pay for his chauffeured cars around Munich. Ah. And- so we can go to dinners and so they can invite the after you can invite fucking racists to the state buildings and, and like this is the shit that's happening and it's just like it's degrading yeah, it's it degrading is. the state yeah. it makes makes the state look yeah. like I, I constantly fight against this narrative of bavaria being backwards all it takes is this story and it's like well that that's all good work has been blown out the yeah. window because now everyone just thinks all right and it's true it's that's the problem is it's yeah. true Bavarians are willing to vote in a man who will defend someone like Ivanger, yeah. but also they're willing to vote in Ivanger. Yeah. And it's so lame because they fought this campaign of never co- having a coalition with the Greens. Yeah. It's like, well, now you're fucked because you're not going to get 40%. You're going to have to form a coalition. And who's the person you're going to form a coalition with? Oh, the guy who potentially authored an anti Semitic document yeah. at school and refused to take any responsibility for it. I'm not sure those people should be anywhere near the levers of power Mm. but i guess we'll just have to wait and see right okay listeners we don't want to leave you on that sour note concerning hubert ivang and marcus soda the csu and anti-semitism so uh we've got Something to perk you up before we we send you on your way. Uh, Chancellor Olaf Scholz appeared in public on Monday with a rather interesting new sartorial choice. After an accident while jogging on Sunday, the Chancellor is now sporting a rather fetching eye patch. Hey, Dilly, do you think it works? What do you think about our new pirate in chief? You know, that's that's what I like to see in a politician leaning on something, wearing an eye patch. Did you notice <laughs> the leaning on something? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Has he got a wooden leg as well? <laughs> <laughs> what what I'm kind of hoping for is that this is like a long-term plan. So like next week he'll turn up and he'll have a hook for a hand. And then like a couple of weeks later, they'll be like, you're just giving a speech and there's a parrot on his yeah. shoulder. And then by the time we get to the next election, he's gone full long John Silver and he's go he's just shouting Arr! and shaking a cutlass in the Bundestag. That's my dream. As far as I'm concerned, he can wear two white patches. It seems like he already <laughs> is sometimes. <laughs> uh, did he? Did he hear Christian Lindner's uh, speech that he may not have seen this in the Bundestag? What did he say? And he said it's noticeable that you've got your uh, was it because the, where, where the eye patches is on his right mm. eye, and he's like, and and it clearly blocks out the the, the right wingers. So it's obvious <laughs> that you just wanted he didn't he didn't want to pay any attention to the RFD or the CDU. Um, I was just like, yeah, it's fair, fair enough. 
but yeah it was wild I, I really what i like about it and i think actually this is really useful for shows shows he's got a sense of humor because he was like he the released the released an official photo of him almost identical to his normal photo mm -hmm. except he's got this eye patch on and he's like standing there sort of looking kind of friendly and approachable and then he said and they just released it on the internet yeah, it's always, and, yeah. I, and the, the one of the things he said was i'm looking forward to seeing the memes and i was like hey, this guy's he's not he's not that bad he's not so robotic after all is he <laughs> he he wants to see the memes but does he want to know the assumptions because what happens when you go jogging that you hurt your right eye the first thing i thought of was he ran into a lamppost that's what we need in a leader <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it was like a low hanging branch, if I'm honest. But like you can fall if you fell f like face first, because you're gonna fall. Mm. And if you fall on your side, it depends how he turned or if you moved. I could see you sort of falling flat on one side of your face. Cause it, it must be pretty bad if he's got a patch over his eye. Like it's a pretty hardcore choice. It looked like you could see the scarring underneath. It looked pretty fucked up as far as I could see. Do we know that this really happened when he went jogging? What if he just got punched in the face? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm too cynical for this. We're in this world where the, this this can't be the this can't be just the answer. There's clearly a conspiracy going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's exactly it. I think that's exactly what he did. I think it's as, it's it's as like just as basic as that that he he just messed his face up. Um, it does lead to another question uh -huh. though. What other clothing choices? would make you trust a politician more. How about a monocle, Dilly? Do you think a monocle would help them? Is there a, a choice of clothing or clothing choice that a, could be made by a politician that would make you trust them more? Yes, yes, a second eye patch. I was thinking about Tony Blair when he was in 97, was pictured wearing a Newcastle United ah. football top. And at the time I was thinking, oh, well, that's great. That's like, a, that, that's cool. But now I feel like it, that was the worst thing that could have ever happened to Newcastle United. I think the best thing was Obama because he had these rolled up sleeves and no tie. Like, you know, I just left work where I work as a bank, well, you know, as a low key banker somewhere or something. And he had this like, you know, I just, yeah, I, I'm a working man kind of thing going. My problem with that was though, like he did that. And then like every world, male world leader started, started doing, doing that. that. Like everyone did it. Like it's why Linda does it. It's why uh, Mert probably does yeah. it. David Cameron did it. And he just looked like a twat. Yeah. I mean, it's, it works for Obama because he's just infinitely cool, right? But, yeah. Um, but yeah. Now, I, I maybe um, more hats, I was thinking. More hats. Like a flat cap, maybe, or a, mm -hmm. I don't know. One of those beanies with a propeller on it. Beanies with a propeller. That's like, what... like there, was a, there, was, there was a character, right? Yeah, no, I think it's, I can't try, it's definitely in Calvin and Hobbes. But I can't remember if it's, I think it may be in a, like an Archie comic or Has something. Has anyone like gone for those like tweed caps and, and, and like walking sticks? No. Because I, I think no, someone should be, be able look. to rock that. No, I would have said yeah. so, definitely. I mean, look at the Irish president with his two dogs. I mean, that's accessorizing. Uh-huh. I mean, accessorizing is a good choice, yeah. I think I think definitely I like the idea of, of just giant dogs. Yeah, giant that, dogs. That would be an option yeah. too. Giant giant friendly yeah. dogs. I don't yeah. know. But um, I, I can't think. I mean, this current crop of politicians, there's not a lot to trust, nah, is there? Nah, um, nah. I mean, because I always thought that Robert Harbeck has a uh, has a sweat thing going on his face. Like, you know, I, I'm busy. You just, just looks rather sweaty. He looks rather sweaty. And has matted, like, it's not like freshly washed hair. I don't know whether this is on purpose. And if it is, then he's like, you know, I, I, you, you just got me out of my thinking mode. I'm just here to do a little interview and then I will go back to my books kind of thing. Dilly, he's saving hot water. He's trying to save the planet one shower of time. Do the man yeah. a favor. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to the end of the show. We are all off to get some eye patches and a couple of large Bernese mountain dogs. Yeah, man, that's the way forward. We're going to be the best politicians in Germany. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. 
Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algamer, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All I have to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüss.